Welcome to the Liverpool FA podcast. Our aim is to provide regular insight from a variety of experts to help you in your own football journey. We'll do it through interviews, roundtable discussions and by linking to other resources to help support you. For more information about each episode, just tap the album art, which will provide you with more about our guests and links to further content. Welcome back. Our guests today are Anthony Smith and Matthew Heinmarsh. Anthony is Football Development Manager at Liverpool FA and Matthew is a PhD student and sessional lecturer in the Sport and Business Department at Liverpool John Moores University. Matt had experience with Liverpool County FA and his current research interests are within the sponsorship of football, particularly at the grassroots level. Matt has also had experiences within grassroots football over the last 16 years as a player, coach and committee member. So most of our podcasts so far have been around coaching and coach development and this one is slightly off topic. So this is The Money Show and we're going to be talking with Matt and Anthony exclusively around grassroots sponsorship, around how a club can raise money, attract sponsors. If you're purely here for coaching, this might not be for the one for you, but it could be for your committee, treasurer or other people in the club. Stuff that's going on next Thursday, that's the 6th of June. We're delighted to welcome back Pete Sturgis to Liverpool. So Pete will be in town delivering part two of his Foundation Phase DNA Roadshow. And if you want to hear more about that, and if you haven't heard that episode, go back to number four with Pete Sturgis and Martin Dighton. That'll be a nice taster for what is to come with Pete. So hope you enjoy this one with Matt and Anthony. Anthony Smith and Matt Heinmarsh, welcome aboard. Hello, thanks very much good, for having me. Good to have you on board. And this is um, this is a new one, this is a first because it's the first time we've met. It is. And it's the, it's the first time that somebody has been in touch with us and kind of offered to come on and, and have a chat about stuff. And it's, it's going to be a quite a different one this today. So, um, Matt, why don't you just start us off by telling us uh, what, what sort of prompted you to get in touch, what's your background and, and what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, um, so basically from, from, from when I kind of come in from where this is coming from, I listened to obviously your podcast before and found them very, very interesting, especially the one with Ian Bateman, which is all to do with futsal and side of football. Um, and therefore I kind of looked at it as being a researcher myself and going, well, where can I kind of add a to that body of knowledge which has already been introduced into into your podcast that you've already done. One of those was through coming across from a more business point of view instead of uh, a coaching kind of avenue and therefore I felt something along these lines would be quite a, a novel kind of pursuit and discussion to have um, today. And then from that obviously I got in touch with, with, with yourself. A bit about me, um, my kind of football started as everyone does. Um, Kicked the ball, never, never ever kind of didn't have a ball in my hand. It was always at my feet in the local parks from morning all the way through to tonight, waiting for my mum to come on and go, oh, well, come on, time to come in. Uh, you've had enough playing football today. Um, and then from that, I then started playing football for my local football team and carried on from there all the way through to 16, in which I then went to another youth football team um, that played West Cheshire. And then from that, kind of progressed into a more administrative role alongside a coaching role where I became welfare officer 
um, from a local club at the age of 18 um, and then from that I've kind of carried on in a, in a committee role alongside playing football and um, doing coaching for my local club as well. Yeah, so you're from the Wirral? I am from the Wirral unfortunately. We'll, so, we'll let you so, off for that. So yeah, so I'm not from this side of the water. Yeah, okay. And so, yeah, so tell us a bit more about that. You got into the club welfare officer at 18 and then, so what are you doing on the committee now? Yeah, so um, currently at the moment I'm still club welfare officer. Um, obviously a lot of that has to kind of entail the usual safeguarding issues. Um, at the moment, touch wood, there haven't been any because it's only quite a, quite a small club and we have now. So therefore there's, there's very few issues that, that, that have, have, have kind of come into my remit and role at the club and that basically came about obviously doing the the, the level one course which has a, a basic kind of or you, when I very first did it at the age of I think it was eight, 16 I think um, was a, obviously a very basic thing of, of safeguarding and then from that that's, that's progressed. Mm, okay so um, you now hold the record for the most prepared guests <laughs> that we've ever had on the show. You've got a, a, a spider diagram about 300 words deep. Everything under the sun. So your, it was your PhD that really that's led you uh, to, to get in touch in your work that you're doing currently at John Moores University. Yeah, so um, basically my kind of, my PhD came about purely through the fact that a lot of research at the moment into sponsorship is done at a professional level. Um, and I felt that that Obviously, while that's an, a, a novel pursuit um, and should be taken into account because sponsorship obviously helps in terms of increasing uh, wages for transfers, obviously meeting financial fair play regulations. On the other side, there isn't a lot for the grassroots landscape and therefore there's a kind of avenue there that, that, that really needs to be discussed and examined um, because the... the the importance of sponsorship can, can kind of not be underestimated in the grand scheme of things. Um, so my kind of research, which is now in its kind of second year stages, um, has been gearing towards collecting all this information um, and perspectives from, from both um, clubs who, who are sponsored and then obviously the sponsors themselves um, to then come and almost examine the scope of the entire Northwest region. From a county FA point of view, we uh, manage well. We always see in the region of two and a half thousand teams that play every weekend. So uh, anything we can attract uh, with sponsorship for our clubs, we know it's a challenging time out there. It's getting harder and harder. Businesses are struggling, clubs are struggling, governments, well, local councils are struggling. So we see this as you know a, a good piece of research that we can kind of pass on to our clubs. Uh, with it, getting them in the best position to attract potential sponsors because it's, it is getting harder and harder to, to run uh, football clubs so it, it, it'd be ideal for us yeah and that well coming from the grassroots club background myself I, I, you know as soon as you got in touch Matt I thought there was massive avenues and opportunities that, that um, people listening in that the audience would potentially take from this so what what is the actual kind of research question that you're trying to answer in the PhD then um, I mean, the, because there's been such little research out there about about grassroots sponsorship, um, particularly within a football setting as well, um, it's almost to kind of get a, a, a broad scope of the entire landscape, um, which can then almost inform um, future practice by using the, the, the data that I get back um, to almost create a framework which both the club and 
the company who sponsors them can use to as a guideline and as a blueprint to then ultimately support them in being able to not only acquire sponsorship but also maintain it um, for as long as possible. I mean, I know from from previous experiences as a manager myself um, that it's not the hard, although it can be hard to to acquire sponsorship, that's not the hard thing. It's then making sure that the sponsor is then happy and satisfied with what you are doing to then being able to do that on a consistent basis. There's a lot of times out there um, and a lot of examples whereby, uh, especially as as Anthony said, in this time of, of kind of economic uncertainty, that there have been times now where actually clubs have found a sponsor, but then have then had to find a sponsor the year after because the sponsor isn't too happy or they feel that it's not as viable as something else that they could be getting involved in. So, I mean, the 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 kind of premise is, is around that idea of using sponsorship as a way to be financially sustainable for a club but then looking at it from the sponsor's point of view and going, what actually can they also get out of it to make sure that it's beneficial for them at the same time? Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Well, it's probably the second most popular question we get. The first is, do you know any reliable goalkeepers? Uh, that's always the first question. The most most common question we get, the second one is, do you know any anyone who's sponsored a team? Uh, I think as Matthew said, it's one thing getting a sponsor, it's, it's another one to keep them uh, going overseas and on overseas. Uh, I think... So you know, again, it's information that I recommend you to, to to keep sponsors happy. And again, you're more likely to keep them going season on season. So let, let's go with your club then. So you're wearing your nice club tracksuit here today, I am indeed, like you yourself. Yeah, we're uh, we're SB. Yeah, is that right? So tell tell us how you ended up with that and what's the story behind that kit. Yeah, well, um, kind of just just looking at it from from the very start. It all came about due to uh, an unforeseen circumstance at a different club, um, which then prompted a group of people to want to form a, a, a new club in itself. Um, Willis B's now been going for two years. However, one of the main problems associated with obviously startup clubs is the finances um, and, and, and acquiring the finances to be able to pay for, for example, on our side of the water, it's, it, it's your pitch fees alongside um, your hire facilities. Um, your, your your kind of kits for the year, um, your insurance as well. So there's all these kind of uh, uh, like a plethora of expenditure that needs to be almost kind of offset before the season even starts. Um, and one way that, that that we looked at it was well, how can we diverse our revenue so it's not just solely relying on players to pay ten pound just to sign on and then another twenty pound per month. What can we do that can can obviously help uh, help the cause in terms of financial, um, f- financial wise. So it got to a point whereby we went right. Okay, well, you're doing a sponsorship. You're doing a PhD in sponsorship. Is that something that could we possibly do? Uh, and I came about with this idea with with the secretary as well, who who kind of did the majority of the work. And 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 he came about and said, well, I've got somebody that might be interested. And from that, we ended up using his kind of uh, business. On, as part of basically the the name of the uh, of the club, um, and that's been a benefit not only to him but also to the club. So for the club, what they've got is obviously their initial startup costs. From the sponsor point of view, the amount of people that have come up on a Saturday afternoon at a game when it's freezing cold and gone, 
what does what does Will SB stand for? What does that SB what uh, does it stand for? What stands for Skyline Bars? So here you go. He's got a plug here as well. So he's going to be uh, he's absolutely going to be over the moon with that. Um, so it's those it, it, from from this particular point of view um, and from this example in itself. It just shows that it can be a, a, a real tool in 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 in, um, in, in an arsenal of a club. Um, to be able to to, to, to to get funding to to help them be sustainable or even start up. Yeah, so I want to go back to a point Matt made about the startup cost. Uh, now we know that it costs a hell of a lot more money to start a club from from scratch rather than retaining uh, uh, an existing team. And what we're finding is we're we're getting clubs who are kind of more like in five six year cycles so the last five six years then they fold and, and then they'll restart under a different name and again it's that startup cost every time it's not as cost effective so we're trying to build bigger stronger more mindful clubs where the actual individual clubs get more bigger and we end up with more teams but less clubs if that makes sense mm. uh, so then these bigger clubs almost act as small businesses Classic example of this, and it, it, again, it comes through a sponsorship and a name change. Is one, our biggest club uh, in Liverpool, uh, almost in the northwest, is a club what was formerly called Wilton FC. Now they uh, last year or the year before changed their name to MSB Wilton on the back of getting a sponsorship deal with our local solicitors. Uh, now that club is just going huge. You know, they 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 are literally a small business. You've even got a full time member of staff now to run the club. Uh, so kind of the opportunities are out there. It's just getting you know, connecting the dots and getting the right people and getting the right deals in place. So Matt, what was the process that you went through to uh, with Skyline Bars to end up with them on your shirt and them giving you substantial money? I think I think like with anything. I mean, as I said before, it, the the majority of the kind of work came from came from the secretary. Um, the way that it came about was purely through people that we knew. We used that as a, as kind of the the the, the opening door to, to 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 get involved because even if he was unprepared to to sponsor, then there might have been somebody else that he knew that would be. Um, so it's all about using your networks um, and the people that you know and your personal connections, or even who you're affiliated to. Uh, in, 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 um, even if you've got, for example, a uh, playing your team that's that, that, that that's got their own company, it's about using those networks and those connections um, to be able to kind of forge relationships because you've already got the trust there. There's always that. There's already that relationship that you don't have to then build if you're going to say somebody in cold call and going, oh well, we've got an opportunity for sponsorship. Would you be interested? Um, so my kind of first recommendation would almost be to, to, to use those networks that you do have um, because the relationships are already there. I think if a lot of our clubs actually done a breakdown of the the people involved, the parents, the coaches, uh, the committee members and have a breakdown of what they actually do for a living then you would, I'm sure they'd identify quite a number of small, medium, large businesses that they could potentially tap into. Because uh, I, I always say, I think uh, my club, we, we could build a house from scratch uh, with all different trades and, and, and business minded people we've got. You know, there's always an opportunity within the club to identify uh, the right people, and that's always a good starting point. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point as well. And just it, we, even with, within my own club, we have a model at the moment where each individual team is kind of responsible for sourcing their own sponsorship, mostly from within parents within that team. 
but like you say it's, it's not necessarily sustainable but it's, it can be useful in, in the short term I personally I, as just a coach I find it quite difficult to have those conversations I'm not one that is necessarily very good at asking for things I've normally just gone and done things off my own back so how what's the best way to start the ball rolling if you're if you're really trying to look out for a sponsor well the, the, for me and from what from what research tells us in generally about sponsorship is that one of the, 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 the there's two ways you can go about it either a you become you, you come across relatively informal and be and be a person who just goes listen we've got this opportunity for sponsorship it's going to cost x amount of money would you be interested now for some people that might be enough especially if you do know them however if you've used and you've exhausted all your contacts that you do have there's then the, the the better option which is going to more more than likely take more time however you're going to see better results in the long term which is actually produce some sort of proposal um, that you can then go to people and go um, we're looking for sponsorship um, this is our club this is our values we think that our values meet your your company's values um, this is what as a club we can offer you as a um, in return for you sponsoring us because at the end of the day that's what sponsorship is it's it, it's a transaction it's it, it's a two-way process whereby a, a company is providing you money in return for something else whether that be a kit equipment um just um presence on a website um so there's really two ways you can go about it that's adding on to that it's not just about uh Putting the name on the front of a kit no, no more is there's, there's a you know you 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 appeal to their corporate social responsibility, yeah. you brand awareness. And, you know you can tie in all these things and and build that package up again. It's not just we'll just put your name on the front of our shirt no. and that'll be it. it. That's that doesn't cut it no more. No, you know it. You need to kind of sell the the wider the wider benefits to that. Because I've tried in the past and I'm like Jack. I'm not one to be going out to sponsor our club my club we do fundraising uh, through competitions for example last man stand and we survive on that because uh, we, we've got a good network of individuals that do it so we haven't had to go down the sponsorship route just yet uh, but i'd imagine that that when we have looked at the past it, it's yeah the first question is, okay what are we going to get out of it you know how many more sales is that going to generate for us and like don't know you know that's impossible for us to say boy you go down to more it's brand awareness so you could yeah. corporate social responsibility you, know, you may be able to claim it back you know, through the tax deductions you know these are all things that businesses probably aren't aware of but you know they're your selling points for that yeah i mean i think i think going back to kind of the because you're almost talking about the benefits the sponsor provides a, a, a grass or sorry a sponsor who who gets involved at the grassroots level um now as you said Brand awareness isn't isn't really current anymore. You look at, for example, at a grassroots level now. Um, unless you're one of the the, the cream of the crop teams, um, you're very rarely getting people, bar the mums and dads, who are going to be w- w- watching those games. Whereas if you go to the the, the, the top professional level, I mean you've only got to look at down the road. You've got Everton and Liverpool. That the likes of Sport Pays and 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 and, and Standard Chart are, are going to be getting um, a, a significant amount of of, of presence. Um, but it go for, for the grassroots. It's got to go further than that. As you said, corporate social responsibility is is a big one. Um, now there are two types of corporate social responsibility. You've got your true corporate social responsibility, which is almost just doing it um, as a, 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 as a not a philanthropic 
motive, but more as a doing it because you it's good it's for good community it's good of the community. However, you've then got corporate social responsibility in itself, which then brings to it the idea that actually you're doing it for community reasons. However, there is also that ulterior motive as well. So for a company as well, they've got to be aware of which kind of end of the spectrum they're coming from. Are they coming from the true corporate social responsibility standard, which is we're just doing it for the good of community? Or are they doing it because we do want to do it for the good of community, but also we realise we're going to get, um, we're going to get, for example, social media presence. We're going to get our picture in the newspaper, possibly. So there's two kinds of spectrums. It, looks good, it, it looks good for them. So it looks good for them. So you've got to be careful because what then ends up happening is that if you're branding it as elements of corporate social responsibility as a company, you've then got people who might want to use you then go, well, actually, I don't think that you're doing the corporate social responsibilities mm. because you're promoting what what what, yeah. what you're actually doing. Um, so there's kind of two ends to that to, to, to that spectrum in particular. Um, but also, I think I think in terms of the the proposal, the, as a although it might be hard to to, to say it, there's you've you've got to as a club be able to show that it is a cost effective tool. So as we've said before, we are in a time of like economic like uh, like crisis. So a lot of c- companies are now wanting to kind of be wary of what they're actually promoting and, and, and how much money is going into their promotional activity. Now, grassroots sports sponsorship could be something that's that, that, that's really good, but you have to make sure that you 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 convey that across in the right manner and that it is cost effective. So for example, you might go into a local newspaper and it could cost £800 for an eight week cycle. Now when I look at a newspaper now, like for example, the World Globe, which is my my local newspaper, unfortunately, (laughs) unfortunately, you flick through the pages and as soon as you get to the, the, the advertising section, you're just completely over it straight away. You don't even bother reading them. Now- I'm surprised you buy a newspaper. (laughs) So I mean, for, for 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 other people that might be different, but but for other people it might be the same. And therefore, by getting involved in 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 a grassroots setting, because there's say not as many companies out there doing it, that almost creates a competitive advantage for your for, for your company. So as a club, you've got to you've got to realise what these benefits are for a sponsor and convey them across um, as clearly as possible. I'm just thinking from our side whether we can, that this be one for a task for us to go forward, put some sort of template uh, to get the four clubs to use that and kind of, that allow them to, you know, it might be, you know, the club's mission, the club's values, yeah. this is what we offer, yeah. and this is what you'll get. You know, it, and it won't be as generic as that, they'll have to input their own information, obviously, yeah. but, uh, I think it will, as a starting point, it would good to be for us. Maybe we can put them together with, with yourself and and uh, you know get on our website and share it with clubs. I mean that 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 is a possibility. But if 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 people want a more immediate reaction in terms of what we're speaking about today, I know for a fact that uh, Club Matters offer something quite similar than than what you've you, you, yeah. you've been conveying. However, at the same time, without meaning to <coughs> to kind of be be blunt about it. It, it it is very basic yeah. and there's a lot of things that aren't covered within that um, within those documents and that information that actually upon research 
do need to be actually be included um, within any kind of um, with any kind of template and documents. And again, that kind of then comes back to, to to what my research is about, which is using the 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 data that I collect from 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 basically three phases to then compile it all and create a framework that then can be used by both the club and the sponsor to make sure that they're both getting as much as they can out of any agreement they are doing and ensure that these agreements can continue over a longer period of time than over, rather than a short period of time instead. Hmm. So you, I just want to rewind back to the, the bit you said about the newspaper there and I, I can't honestly can't remember the last time I bought a newspaper. So what, what are the advantages now that clubs have got, organisations have got with, with the likes of social media and how would you how would you go about forming and, and developing that relationship with a potential sponsor if you were a, um, a grassroots club? I mean, I think the first one, just to go back in terms of what you said about the, the, the new, uh, newspaper, that where grassroots sponsorship differs from your local newspaper is that there's a love affair with football and if you use that in the right way, you've then got a door that can be opened to, uh, I don't know, let's say for example, if it was Will SB, the club I'm associated to, that's maybe with my youth team and the adult team, that's possibly 40 players, um, as well as then their parents. So it suddenly goes from just a niche little group to then kind of spiraling into a, into a bigger network. Um, going on to the, the, the social media side of it, um, a lot of football clubs now obviously use social media to communicate results, um, their, their, their entire kind of day-to-day -day activities that they run. Social media can therefore obviously be used as a way to promote the, 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 the brand of the, the, the company further, uh, whether that be through hashtags, mentions. Um, I know for example with some clubs they actually post um, pictures of the games that they've had which has obviously got the sponsor on the front and therefore that's then going out into the into the wider domain but I still think at the moment we're at a stage where the best kind of use of social media is through mentions and, 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 and hashtags and, 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 and saying we are proud for a company it might be we are proud sponsors of Will SB or West Kirby or, or, or anyone like that and from a club it's then obviously then going we'd like to thank um, I don't know let's say Joe's Butchers for, for, for their support in being able to sponsor a kit um, but I think another kind of just digressing a bit if you look at for example a lot of sponsorship comes through kits itself now my research has actually shown that a lot of clubs only go for the cost of a kit now that's that's a bit different to obviously at the professional level where they're paying millions and millions of pounds so why can't clubs not only go right okay well the cost of the kit was let's say 500 pound but in order to be associated with us it's going to be another 200 pounds so instead of just getting the cost of the kit they are then also getting a, a, a bit of expense, a, a bit of yeah. more income on top of that. that. That's one issue I feel a lot of our clubs have is that they tend to run from week to week. Yeah. So they they'll their bank accounts they they'll have all the income from subs, sponsorship, fundraising, etc. And at the end of the season, they'll spend every single penny of it. Yeah. And then comes the next season, then you have to start again. 
there's no kind of deep it's a lot of short term planning and I know through lack of volunteers it's hard to plan for the long term so you can't try and keep the cost down uh, for as long as possible and then if you do get a bit of extra they'll go and buy a few extra balls a few extra training jackets mm-hmm. uh, so they kind of tend to just spend everything they've got you know where I'd suggest kind of having a more long term view of it and kind of spend within your means if you get any extra put that away and kind of so you can invest in the club uh, you know, in the long term, uh, because say so that we're driving for, to get bigger, stronger clubs. You know, the idea is that we have community clubs in every area of Merseyside that we can invest a lot of money into, whether it's facilities, uh, into coach education, into uh, referee and welfare, whatever it is. There is money available. It's kind of, if if we had less clubs, you could channel more money through those clubs rather than at the moment we're, we're spreading a lot of money out across uh, I'll go on to kind of the investments in, in, into the Mayside's area we, in the process of, of a project called Park Life uh, that should be ready by end of August ready for next season and that is, itself is bringing in £12 million worth of FA and Premier League funding and then the Liverpool City Council had an extra uh, £4 million on top of that so it, it's a Sixteen, seventeen million pound project that's getting invested into the city to improve the level of the game. Now, the whole ethos of that Parklight project is that uh, yeah, we're going to have twelve brand new three G pitches across four hub sites. The theory is that any surplus profits that are made on that are getting reinvested into grassroots football in Liverpool. So you know it, it should improve other sites that are not involved in, in terms of making better grass pitches, investing in whatever area of the game it, it comes to. So there's a lot of money getting invested. It's kind of how we work with the clubs to make the you know the best advantage of that. Yeah, and I think I, I think kind of just progressing on that, it is almost a sense of not only limiting. It sounds obvious speaking about it, but it's not limiting your club as just being right okay we'll we'll use um player subsidies to to basically cover all our costs or we'll ask for if we're really struggling we'll ask for an extra tenner next week or whatever or a tenner at the start of the season it is about almost expanding your horizons and 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 really looking into um alternative revenue streams that, that 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 can be used i mean i know that in this area, one of the, 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 the key things that was coming out due to the, the, the kind of financial crisis was actually the Save Grassroots campaign, mm-hmm. um, which unfortunately, again, today I found out didn't get as, uh, enough kind of signatures to, to get it into Parliament and, and, and the vote on it. Um, but all that was looking to do was increase the levy on Premier League football, putting it another, well, basically 5% of it, their TV revenue into the grassroots game. And as I said, that has kind of gone by the wayside, and that's that third, the, the third time um, that it's happened. Um, but it is a, a, a situation whereby you have to look beyond that player subs to be able to, to 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 kind of be financially sustainable. Yeah, I think it would be great if the, the Premier League did invest invest more, but I don't think we can be reliant on that. I think no. we have to look after ourselves and prepare ourselves in the best possible way. There is. There is money in heavily. There's a lot of money involved in the grassroots games. It's just, I for me, I still don't think it's getting spent right. Yeah. Uh, especially f- as lockdown as clubs. I think clubs uh, spend a lot of uh, money and investment in the, in the wrong areas. Now we're going to face an issue, and this is where 
we're keen to get the sponsorship uh, information out there because uh, in Liverpool for the first time next season, 2018-19, junior teams will be charged pitch prices for the first ever time. Now that's not something that the council wanted to do, but they've been forced to by the, the central government cuts and uh, they, they physically cannot afford to subsidise grassroots football no more. It's not a statutory uh, requirement to, to deliver. Uh, so. It's going to be even more challenging for next season. A lot, uh, a lot of our teams are going to be asked to raise another couple of hundred pounds for for pitch fees that they've never had to find before. Now, yeah, they might think that if it's an upfront fees, then you know you have to say, "Oh, we can't afford to do that." But the council, to be fair to them, have kept the cost and made the cost. It works out at fifty pence per child per game a week. Now, even in uh, in our area where we've been hit the hardest, uh, I still think that is a reasonable uh, amount to pay for, for for children. We are expecting difficulties, and we are expecting to work with clubs and leagues to make sure you know we, we don't have a, a severe drop off, and you know, you know we'll do everything we can to keep teams going. And this is one of the processes in Canada, educating them further and how to attract sponsors, how to keep sponsors, and selling themselves as a club and what they can offer. Yeah, because I think Matt, one of the things in your your notes here was I think was it in the work that you'd found that just how big a proportion of the finances of a of your typical grassroots club is propped up by the subs, and that and that's it. Yeah, I mean a lot a, a lot of it. I mean it, it it's not as recent as it could be the, the the research, but but the research is out there at the moment in terms of the the, the findings that have come came back, where the the in the main membership fees where the the the, the sole kind of um revenue stream to 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 fund um the operations at, at a grassroots football team sponsorship only accounts for three percent of that entire income that the club receives now if you compare that to other nations like that that, that are in similar kind of socio-economic countries to us there's Canada that has, I think it's 15% of their club income is generated through sponsorship and through Switzerland it's 30, sorry, 14% and then through Belgium it is another 13.3%. So just on that then, one of the things that strikes me about those three countries, knowing what I do about grassroots football over there is that they, like Anthony was saying before, they tend to have uh, more teams playing in fewer clubs, yeah. so that we've we mentioned MSB Walton, who are, you know probably going to grow to 125 teams next season when they move to Parklife. That on the continent and in Canada is just a typical size club. Yeah. So, uh, is is there is, is that something that you found that the the bigger the club, the more um, the more likely the or the higher the percentage of their funding is going to come through sponsorship? I think I, I think that that would more come across in the next phase of my study um, which is which is actually a survey that's going to be getting sent out um, hopefully by the end of the, this month to, to all Northwest um, football club, grassroots football clubs um, with the help of obviously the local county FA alongside um, the others in the Northwest region um, but at the, at the same time almost as, a, 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 as an inkling if you look at it in terms of the sheer size of a club. If you've got more teams involved in one club, then naturally you've got more players, you've got more parents, um, 
you've got a bigger volunteer base. Um, so you've got a, 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 a kind of um, like a, a, a plethora of people there that can be that that could then make a company then go well, right okay they've got a, a, a massive amount of, of, of players or, or, or parents um, whereas at a smaller club because it might be only one team they might go well actually we're not going to get as much out of that because there's only 20 players whereas as you said if it was the likes of um, formerly Walton there is an increased likelihood that a company might go well, well actually there's 120 um, teams in in, in 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 that in that overall club, and therefore that means there's a real there's a real base that we can push our push our brand and, and company across. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of one of the things that um, has opened my eyes in the last few years, having been on a on a club committee, is I am I, personally as a coach when I when I turn up, I've got zero interest whatsoever in collecting subs I don't want anything to do with money my my soul anyone that knows me and the, that's worked with me my sole interest is on coaching the kids and I, you know I forget to pay referees I've had to outsource all that to the parents so one of the things that we did as a club uh, two or three years ago now was we um, we we were approached by a company I think they're called Sports Club Subs based out in Warrington and they they helped us to set up a instead of a cash every week subs collection which was it was about five pounds a week um it we moved to a, a direct debit yeah and the almost overnight the amount that we brought in in subs doubled somehow uh, and it was just from that there's one or two each week who you might forget about or oh i'll pay you next week and so on and that that kind of slippage we dub- we doubled our our income and everyone was you know it was an easy system to use and everyone was kind of being treated fairly and paying the same amount yeah it that that's huge for us it, one it it's safeguards the coaches managers and whoever collect the subs in because i everyone has to run a team and you get paid uh, you know a couple of quid here and there for for yeah. subs and then you've on the way home you realise you've got to go and get bread and milk off the shop it, you know, it's just a natural thing you say oh, I'll, sp- I'll use this and then I'll put it back and then two weeks down the line you all of a sudden you realise you're over the club £40 and like you, you know you, you, you feel like you, you, you then self-funding a club which you know you've had the money but you start and then we've had cases where that that £3 you know spending the shop here and there has gone into hundreds of pounds and people have had to walk away and the club's never got that money back so to go through direct evidence, it just safeguards one individuals, but it also helps the club and make sure that those, those revenues are coming in all the time. It, it is a case of being transparent. That yeah, it, it brings sure. about an, an era of transparency. Um, and I mean, speaking from speaking from my personal experiences as well in the past, the amount of times whereby, as like like yourself, um, Jack, we've we've uh, been doing a coaching session, been setting up something, and then all of a sudden. Mike comes and hands you his subs, which is worth fifteen quid or whatever, and you just go, "Oh, cheers, Mike! Thanks very much." You put it in your pocket, and then by the time you get back home, you look, you look at your pocket and you go, "Well, I've got fifteen quid. Who's given me that?" Mm. You, you, you're opening yourself up to to, to 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 more issues there. Whereas if, as you said, although at the very start of the season, it might, if you have never done direct debits before, it might offer, uh, a, a, it, it might take a long time to, to start up by the time you come throughout the, the, the rest of the season 
you're saving yourself a lot of time and, and as I said it does become a lot yeah. more transparent I can almost hear some of the listeners screaming that some of our players can't even afford to pay subs yeah. I think the point is you, it, you'll know those individuals you don't have to set down you know you can get as many people up on, on direct there but you know who, who are the regular players and, and for me in, in this generation now there'll be an awful lot of people who thank you for it because you know especially a lot of uh, cashless people know Jack your prime example you never carry cash he's a, he's a nightmare uh, doesn't get a drink so. yeah exactly oh, uh, but, uh, but a lot of people don't literally don't carry cash uh, so if they know that the the set amount coming out of the month each week they can budget for that they they'll be happier to do it that way rather than have to go to cash machines in the way to train etc etc uh, so if one recommendation from from us and I think you back us up is if clubs can go down the direct debit route uh, for subs then it will make a huge difference both to the club uh, and to the, the individuals yeah and one of the success stories at, at our club that we found with the direct debit A was was that example that you gave and that you, you 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 can find out who the people struggling are, and you, and it doesn't have to be made a big deal of. You can de- we've been able to deal with those cases individually one by one, and just work out something that that works for them because we don't want to turn away anyone from the club or from playing the game. The other thing that's been really handy, and you know, you mentioned my pristine kit, yeah. was that you know we're a Nike partner club, so what we wanted to do was in a in a we said in a perfect world all of our kids would be kitted out in in the club kit, but it's not exactly cheap. Uh, not that it's overly expensive, but um, for parents to afford a kit package that that might be eighty pounds, that's quite a big hit. So we we were able to then with the with the direct deb- debit company that we use say, well, at the start of the season we're going to go with two levels. So your basic level, you know, twenty pound a month. Um, that that's your that's your membership done for the year. But if you want to, you want the kit bundle, you don't have to pay for the whole thing up front if you don't want. We'll take twenty five pound a month for eight because our, our, our subs only roll for eight months so people that may not have been able to afford it because we've been able to do a two-tier system suddenly the kids have got the kit everyone's yeah. happy it makes sense I, I, yeah it does and i think i think that's where kind of sponsorship does come in because we're talking about subs and people and perhaps not being able necessarily to afford the, the the full amount now what you can then do is through that sponsorship you can almost then go well right okay well Without sponsorship, subs could be twenty pound. But because we've now found a sponsor, we can now reduce them to say fifteen pound a month. And then what that then does is again, and I, and I know we keep batting on about the the, the economic climate and, and, and austerity, and we're, and we're in recession. But what you tend to find is that when people are are struggling financially, one of the first things that kind of goes, and, and it's happened in my team that, that that I've coached previously, whereby they go. Oh right, okay. Well, we needed that food to to, to pay for the the bread and milk, mm. um, and therefore we can't pay for 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 the subs, um, and therefore then what that then does is then that then as some people might go well right, okay, your son's not playing because he hasn't mm. paid the subs, and then straight away you're reducing the amount of players that can that can actually play for you for your team and club. So by having sponsorship in a way, you can you can almost help those end users mm. who, who who actually want to play football yeah. and are there to play football in yeah, future. I, th- I think that's a, uh, again it's another selling point for potential sponsors that you you know you could, uh, a lot of the areas in, in our in our county are in high age of deprivation yeah. uh, so you could literally say to a sponsor your thanks to your sponsor x amount of people 
uh, players were, were able to play in this team because yeah, you couldn't previously afford to because your sponsor helped cover the cost of of, of, of those. So that it's just, again, it's again, it's how you sell and kind of how you approach it. Uh, but we encouraging you know, any any club who, who was struggling uh, to get subs off players who and he had genuine financial reasons why they couldn't to to work with those families and, and uh, you know, to kind of come to some sort of agreement and pay when you can, uh, especially at the, at the the younger ages, the kids. You know, one one area where we where we think sponsorship becomes more important is kind of the older teenage groups under 14s, 15s, 16s when parent involvement disappears uh, the coach is left with 16 unruly teenagers at times to kind of manage themselves so become more reliant on, on external revenue other than you know, subs and support from parents so you know again it's a, it's a massive area and that's where it's not, not no surprise that's where we see our biggest drop offs now the drop off starts on the 13s and 14s level <coughs> uh, kids continue right through and you you lose a lot of them to the game for good they, we probably start picking them back up at 22, 23 when they finish university and stuff and they just go and play kind of Sunday league and, but it's how we keep those playing for the long time during those periods under 14s under 18s because that's where they, you know, the, the least support is it's what that's kind of what's like from from what I've found is, is called the, the Wolverton Gap what what you've basically talked about is a, there was a massive kind of report I think it was in 19 oh Christ my lecture won't be happy if I don't remember this it was like 1980s where it came out and, and, and he found that actually there was a massive drop off from people who play sports between the ages of say your you adolescent years yeah. like teenage years 16 all the way through to 21 22 and then it picked back up again but i like to kind of come back to the the, the point you made about um the under 14s now as a club you need to be smart in terms of a sponsorship formation you can't necessarily go to a local pub and go mm. would you mind sponsoring us and then they're going well what, what what team is it and you got another fourteens team, they're probably just gonna go, no chance because they're not gonna be able to get anything out of it. Yeah, your local FA so, say no chance as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like so the, the, there's absolutely not a chance of anything like that happening purely through the fact that they're not the, the, they're not even probably old enough to be able to to, to like they're, they're not even go in by themselves and, and, and have mm-hmm. a drink or whatever. So you've got to think about smart you've got to think smart and consider what factors would then make a company more likely to, to sponsor us? If it's, an, if it's say, an adult team, a local pub might be fine, fine because you can go, well, right, okay, after every game, we'll come in. If you put a side of chips on the bar or whatever, they'll come in, they'll buy a, a drink off you. Happy days, mm-hmm. you, you've got something, we've got something, and they're more prone to come in again like every in the week again. Um, whereas for a junior team, it's a lot more harder to kind of find those people who might be able to be associated with an under 14 team or a under 8 team for example so you just got to try and think a bit smart and go right okay that's not necessarily going to link into our club or they're not going to be able to link into our club because of this reason and also think about what your USP is so we mentioned about the size of your club so that could be a potential USP that you could go well we're the biggest club in in, in Liverpool or over on the we're all in Manchester um, 
but you've also got to think about what are your values is it a case of well right okay we're a competitive team and we want to win now i'm not i'm not saying that's the the the, the way that it should be but that might be what some managers honestly think and therefore they then go to people who might be a bit more kind of competitive and into that kind of frame of mind whereas on the other hand some teams might be like well we're we're pushing participation enjoyment of the game and therefore we need to go to people who are going to understand that and I'm therefore more likely to then get on board that way yeah I think that would be a good starting point for our clubs is to sit down as a committee as a, if we're a management team wherever they have and come up with the, the values of the club do they know what the values are what, what is important about that club mm. uh, and then that that should start forming the, the USP and kind that they can sell themselves and if they don't know the values and you're just going on a whim to, to the companies are seeing through that now they're yeah. not Unless they know them and say it's someone within the club and they can't just say, yeah, you know, you know, Joe Bloggs has got a patent decorating firm, they'll you know, just, just throw that on there and kind of, we don't really want much from it. Uh, but if they, they need to have a bit more than that to kind of think outside the box. It, 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 is, it, it is very much a case of, I mean, I mean, there are examples whereby, for example, there's one, there's one interview that I conducted with a, with a company and they actually just said that from our sponsorship, we're just burning money. I might as well just put it in a dustbin. But he laughed and said, at the same time, I'm happy with that because it's making me feel good. And that's the reason why he sponsored. Mm. He sponsored purely for philanthropic reasons. He had a nice, a, a nice feeling that because he was sponsoring a local cause, he, was, he, he, he felt good about mm. himself. And a lot, of, a lot of companies, for example, the, 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 the one that I, I just mentioned in terms of the interview, he then turned around and, said, and I said to him, so would you carry on in the future? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, well, what would your kind of employees that, 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 that are part of your organisation say? And he said, they, they tell me not to bother. So to me, that kind of just shows the, 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 the two polar extremes yeah, that you can I th- have. I think the concern with, with something like that would be he'd be happy to do as long as his business was still strong. Precisely. If they had, you know, in the economic climate we're in now and the uncertainty of what's coming around the corner, uh, for some small medium businesses, yeah. you know, they might start finding it a little bit hard, and the, the first thing that'll go would be the sponsor yeah. to the, the local football team. So, uh, it goes good short term. There's always that that risk, and I suppose that's the same with any sponsors to be fair. But uh, that's always something to be mindful of. Yeah, and I think that you know, picking up on the language that you've been using there, that the suggestion would be that we try and shift away from this kind of team by team sponsorship yeah. thing and look for. You know, bring the wider club together. Yeah. Um, you said about the values stuff. Our, our club, uh, we did something uh, a few years ago where we actually surveyed all the kids, all the parents, and all the coaches, and and just on a simple kind of survey monkey, I think it was, just said, sum up the club in three words. You know, why why do you play? You know, why you why are you a member of the club? And then we just plugged all of those all those answers into a word cloud, and the three most common by a mile words were fun friendly and fair so it was kind of a, a there was a moment there where we as a committee we went well they wouldn't they're not bad values for a a grassroots club to aspire by yeah. and we, we sort of put that into a we, we thought how how do we get this out there without be without it being just a piece of paper that's lost or a document that's just filed away so we decided to put it onto a youtube video now there's been times where we've been held accountable to them where you know 
inevitably, you know, things never go perfect 100% of the time. And we've had people come back at us and say, you know, parents, for example, have said, you know, you're not, you're, you're not living up to your values, what you've put out there. And, that, and that's been a good thing that we've been challenged back at that. I don't think it's a bad, a bad way to start. Mm. I mean, I think, uh, uh, I think in kind of, uh, on that point, it, it does go back to your, to, to your USP and what you really do consider your, your, your club to represent. And if you can get that, straight away you're then going to be able to propose something and you're going to feel more comfortable when you go to somebody and go we, we need sponsorship is there any possibility that you can help you can then reel off all these things that we are a fair um friendly um club um and then from that people are then going to take you more seriously um there's a lot of times whereby for example you go to or a club goes to a company and goes this is what we're offering um, and then the company goes yeah that's fine they give the money and then all of a sudden once the money's in it's just okay thanks very much that's the money sorted we're not going to have anything to do with you now mm -hmm. so there's very much that short term ism again if you want to like call it that phrase um, whereby that now needs to kind of be more long term and think well Actually, if our values, say for example, are we're friendly, fair, etc., then actually we need to make sure that we're being fair and trustworthy and honourable to our agreement that that, that, that we have with um, Company X. Because as I said before, it's, it's a lot easier to maintain relationships than it is to constantly every year have to go back to some, or go to somebody completely different and then spout off the same type of thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very aware that Personally, I'm a very blinkered coach who's just only ever worked in the industry of football. So I've got absolutely no idea what's out there or where I would potentially start in terms of finding a company who might align with, with our own values. So where, where, where would somebody like me go, go to start to kind of seek out these organisations who might be interested in aligning with a club? I think there are a few things that you can do. The first one we, we touched upon earlier, which is to be to go to people who you know and you're connected to. Um, those are what I recommend as being the first port of call because you know them, they're more likely to trust you um, because you've built up that relationship over a certain period of time. Um, there's then other ways whereby, for example, I've seen clubs say we are looking for such and such on social media and just kind of just plug out there on Facebook or or Twitter um, and then from that they then get people to come in and, and, and kind of see if it, if it's something that they would actually potentially be really interested in in, in getting involved in. Um, I think those two are kind of the, the, the main protocols that I'd look at. There's, no, there's not necessarily a, a, a database out there. I'd think from a, from a club point of view as well, what you should try and do is look within your local area be very much geographically based and that that is a major draw to what a lot of sponsors um look at um so for example it could be let's say because i'm from the Wirral, i know the Wirral better um let's say west kirby a west kirby club might therefore go well, right okay we will target companies within that like 10 mile radius because they're more likely to have some sort of affiliation to West Kirby, their shop might be there, um, or 
where they live, they might be there as well, that type of thing. So it's more likely to be a close affiliation it's, to it. It's almost a, a mapping exercise, one internally yeah. through memberships. Who are the people involved in your team, your club, uh, that could have potential businesses, and then the wider local community doing it. You might be just want to literally go on Google Maps and have a search around, you know, what what local businesses, and then. It, it, it's one of them it, I'm not personally one who could go out cold calling but I'm sure there's uh, someone within you know the club or the team who, who would be prepared to do that and don't mind doing that uh, but sometimes it, you know, it literally is that going knocking on doors or uh, you know, sending emails etc but I mean I think I think if you're going to you're going to do that you need you a plan can, yeah if you're going to go cold calling you, you need to be able to not force yourself, but be able to, 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 to plug your club in the right yeah. manner and not become a, come across too forceful and be patient and realise that companies might just go, oh, well, we might have done it two years ago when we had an extra or a spare bit of, of, of money behind the couch or whatever. Um, unfortunately, we don't have that now, but keep us in mind. Yeah. You've got to be quite resilient to those knockbacks. Yeah, I think it'll come back to what we said before about having some sort of template that, yeah. you know, this is us, this is what we're after, this is what you can get. Uh, and then I say you just turn up with a you just not nothing like just saying one well, five hundred quid to just throw your name on a shirt just gonna say yeah. don't say well we'll get back to you and then that's just got me thinking actually because I I read something a while back that apparently uh, customers who complain or engage with organisations openly on Twitter in public at mentions are more likely to get the response that they desire than if they'd kind of gone privately or sent an email or phoned up. So I wonder if there's anything in that, in the, the format that you choose to use to approach an organisation, if it's done in a more public setting, i.e. Twitter, for example. Um, hey, uh, example, local business, would you, would you fancy getting involved with us? Um, you know, this is what we stand for. It might be difficult, you know, people are going to look at that and go, well, there's been no reply there. And there might just be that little bit of pressure to, yeah. to conform in a, in a, um, mm. in yeah. what's like a pro-social way. Yeah. At least you'll get a polite reply. Yeah. A, yeah. a, a polite nod, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And I think, I, I, and I think it does go back to, to, to that point where, whereby you, you have to, you have to plan for, for, for how you're going to do these things. It's not, it's no good anymore to kind of be ad hoc and just go, oh, well, it's the end of the season. We'll wait until I don't know in two months' time where we might need a new kit or we might need new footballs, and then go. Listen, we need this. Um, I think. I think one thing that, that 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 needs to be mentioned is that if you are looking to retain sponsors, you've got to show some sort of evaluation and show them that you are meeting. What you said, you'll you're, you're, like you're satisfying what you said that you will kind of try and fulfil, and if you can do that, the more likely in the long term to go yes, we'll we'll continue. Um, so that might might well be, um, for example, you working together as a, a company and, and a club, and going well, right, okay. Um, for example, with 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 one of my sponsors, the sponsors the kit, he's physically said to us that we can go and have our end of season meal there and he'll get his revenue back through through that in itself um, and it's making sure that you forge these relationships and don't be a situation whereby you go here's the money 
and then you go thanks very much and then just toddle off and, 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 and see you later because when it comes to next year and you go and ask them they're just going to do the same thing and the word of mouth is a powerful thing if, if, if that company catch on to the fact that you as a club are then going somewhere else as well they're more likely to go to that company and go well do you know what they said they do this they didn't do this so I'd just be kind of wary of what and, and careful of what you're actually getting involved in so I think there needs to be some sort of evaluation in place that you can then at the end of it come together and go as a club we said that we would do this at the start of the season we have achieved this and this and this and if we were to do it again this is how we'd go forward um, and be realistic about it don't be over ambitious and be we'll offer you the entire world and we'll be able to um, give you this amount of, 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 of tweets and all this be realistic about it. If if, if you're only if, if as a club you only tweet one if, if you plan to tweet maybe once a month or whatever about the sponsor and just go we'd like to thank Joe's Butchers again for sponsoring us. Be be realistic and tell them that that's what you're going to do. Don't over don't don't over egg it and go well actually we're going to give you three like three mentions every every week and then that not be sustainable because they then will bring you up on it. I mean I know for example. The sponsor that, that that I've got currently, he actually came back to me at the because obviously we've had such a prolonged period of break of uh, of like eight weeks where there's been no games. He actually came back to me and said, "Where are the photos? Every week you usually put photos and it's got my logo on the on, on the front of the of the shirt." And I've then had to say to him, "Well, actually, that's because there have been no games." Now, in hindsight, I should have been in contact with him all the time and gone, "Listen." Usually we have photos. However, this period of time we're not going to because of the amount of games that have been called off. So it's all about constantly building, having that communication and building that relationship, which which has transparency, which has trust, which has cooperation, and that's where you will end up getting your your your, your relationships a lot last a long time. It's almost like a marriage. Like I I I think of sponsorship like a marriage. Like if, as long as you trust them, you're happy with them. Um, although I'm not married, um, <laughs> I was going to say yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of mums and dads out there yeah. this shaking their head. Yeah, there's a lot of ifs and buts in this. Yeah, um, if, if if you cooperate, you communicate, um, almost have to share kind of same values. Like who who are you mates that you hang around with? Usually it's the people that you share the most values with. So it kind of it it, it transposes and translates to, to 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 this environment as well. That that you think about all those things that you'd want in a in a longer standard relationship if it was your friend or if it was your your partner and then you put it into a sponsorship setting instead all right so it sounds like uh i think the, the phrase i've heard before is under promise and over deliver yeah, yeah and and like that, that you know is a good way of successfully maintaining and building on that relationship yeah. so what 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 would be some i mean i've, I've taken some ideas here uh, and one thing I think that I'm going to suggest to our club is that on registration next season, we just add a, 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 an, an extra box for the parents to put in what, you know, which organisation they work for or, you know, what they do for a living. So having that information would be a massive help, I think, to then start to start the ball rolling. But what would be some of the more specific recommendations that you could give to, to people listening in to take away? Again, I think not trying to go over covered ground, but the first one is to if we go through the entire sponsorship process, if you're looking for a sponsorship and you're trying to find sponsorships, you first of all need to go to people that, 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 that you know and 
try and use them because they're the ones that will build that relationship you, you've got that relationship with already um, from that if you can't find anyone think about uh, I mean it's a good exercise anyway as part of a committee or as part of a club as a whole is to actually think about what your USP is as a club um, and what makes you different to to other clubs is it the size of it is it that you promote a more friendly atmosphere is it because you're the only club in the in the local area um, is it because you've won so many trophies and therefore you get to so many finals and that therefore means that you can com- promote the, the, the business more um, and, and there'll be a lot more people to, to be able to see that and, and get coverage from it um, and then from that then think about which companies then actually meet those values that you set um, the basic way to do it as I said would be look at your local geographical area and then actually go and physically look on the website and, and try and get the feel it doesn't have to be a major thing you can literally usually just from a website itself through five minutes glance get the feel of what what their values are as a, as a company usually it has it as one of the very first things on a, on a company website um, then from that it's about then providing a proposal and although it, it sounds a uh, very kind of time extensive and intensive um, thing to do and an activity to do actually if you can do that it then shows that you're being professional which is what sponsors like um, and it also gives you the confidence to then go and, and, and show those companies this is what we have to offer um, so much do you see there's examples of that yeah so so the very basic but you can go onto the club matters website um, and they will provide very basic kind of guidelines on what sponsors potentially want um, and it gives you, I think as well, it gives you a template of, of an actual proposal that you can, you can use. Um, but it's something that you can, the FA do have one again um, as well that can be used, but it's quite outdated. So where, where we are now compared to when that was probably produced, it's considerably changed the environment that we're in. So what's the Club um, Matters website? Sorry, Matt. It's, um, all it is, is it's basically a, a, a website that kind of, it's, it's, it's not just for football clubs, it's for every single kind of grassroots clubs, club. And what it, what it does is it gives you templates for, it's almost similar to what the FA do with, with club, give you templates for club constitutions. How to run. So it's, it's how to organise your club and how to, and, and how to function on, a, on, on basically a, a, a daily basis. Um, but from the point whereby you've got a proposal that's either used from a template or otherwise, make sure that it's not generic. Focus specifically on the sponsor that you're looking at. So for example, if it's a law firm, make sure you write that law firm's name in. That'll give it a bit more of a, a, of a nice touch and a nice sprinkle to, to, to the proposal itself. Don't be generic about it because they'll realize that actually in reality, you've probably sent the same proposal out to 30 different organisations and therefore if that's the case well do you know what I can't I can't be bothered doing it because um, someone else will do it instead whereas if you've got that personalised touch that's not generic um, and it's specific to that organisation they're more prone to read it and not just throw it in the in, in, in the trash almost um, then from that within that proposal make sure you obviously state what the values of your club are um, and then also what you can um, give a potential sponsor Obviously, as, as we've said, be realistic about it. So it could be basically provided just a general bullet point of going um, that as a sponsor, you would 
be able to get corporate social responsibility, brand awareness, reach a, a target market that, that, that might perhaps be difficult for you to reach. Almost if, if people are seeing your company, they might be more prone to then be able to come to you and then buy stuff. Um, I mean, I know one example that, that the companies have actually done that and, 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 and actually found there was one over on the Liverpool actually that it was a car dealership and they generated um, I think four car sales off one of the sponsorship agreements that they got so from wow. there kind of even though it's a, it probably in comparison to all the sponsorship deals when they got I think about £3,000 worth of that sponsorship deal they actually got let's say £15,000 worth in revenue from that sponsorship deal in itself so it just goes does go to show that there is kind of opportunities out there um, as a business to be able to profit from it um, we've also got to target and gauge what the business is do you think is it going to be a philanthropic an altruistic kind of motive is it just going to be oh well I know he'll feel good about himself so therefore I'll put that across as well so it's about almost getting these bullet points and going these are what the benefits of grassroots sponsorship of our club would be um, and then also making that specific to your club and then stating we have let's say 120 teams um, which equivalates to 500, let's say 500 kids and 500 players and this many parents. And by adding all these little extra things, what that then does in, in, in the long run is then slowly persuade them that actually this could be a good idea to, to, to follow. Um, and then from that show how you're going to work with them um, and, build, and build that relationship, which can then make sure that they satisfy their objectives from sponsorship as well as your objectives from sponsorship. And then after that proposal, it's then about maintaining that relationship. And it goes back to that marriage thing whereby just think about how, how you are with your wife or your girlfriend or, or, or your husband or your, your, um, your son, your daughter, everyone. How, how do you have, a, what, what factors and critical things are needed to make sure a relationship is successful? And once you've thought about them, you can then transpose that into the grassroots setting finally from that then what you then need to do is make sure that you have some sort of evaluative stage to it which will then show that you've met what you've said that that, that you will achieve and then from that you've then got a happy a happy sponsor and then in the long run they're then more prone to to continue sponsorship well, that's an interesting point i wonder how many actually evaluate the sponsor year on year yeah. and see what what was the impact and review it from there yeah, I mean, and I think I, I think I think a big point to make out of this, and and a recommendation, is to make sure you're not the only people in uh, as a club. Make sure you're not the only ones. At the end of the day, a sponsorship is a two-way relationship. So as much as you're giving stuff to them, they're also giving stuff to you. So it's it, it's very much an equal partnership. So try and get them involved as much as possible. Because for example, although they might not want to evaluate. You could then say, well, actually, in reality, if if that doesn't happen, if, for example, you don't want to sponsor us in the future, we need to be able to show that actually it's beneficial to sponsor us. Mm. So, is there any possibility that you could just kind of have a, even if it's just a, a word of mouth thing, and go, oh, how did you hear about us? It's it's relatively simple as a company to to, to ask who when someone's on the phone, oh, how did you hear about us? Oh, it was from, I don't know. West Kirby, okay, thanks very much. And then you just have a tally, and then that shows how many people you've done. And at the end of it, you, you compile all that information together to then go, 
right, okay, this is what's happened. We've had 20 people that have come to us because of our your sponsorship agreement with, with us or with, with the club. So it, it's just about maintaining that that relationship and making sure that everybody is happy within it and not just a single dimension whereby one's happy and the other one isn't. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things for me is that it's, I think you mentioned at the start, 2,000 grassroots youth teams affiliated to the county? Uh, probably two and a half thousand. Two and a half thousand, yeah. Playing every weekend. Every single weekend. And but. I don't think people realise just how, how big grassroots football and, and some of the clubs in the local area are maybe that work in organisations you know people that I I speak to that have no affiliation with local football or local clubs are just astounded by just how much goes on so that, I think that grassroots as a whole is our unique selling point is, is, is that size and just another thing that came to mind before it's that first impression so again one of the things we've changed is that many clubs have run off a personal email address and again, we, we just tried to go, you know, nudge that one step more professional, if you like, and just have a club email address. So xfootballclub at gmail.com isn't a bad way to make a first impression than rather than, uh, uh, well, uh, some of the email addresses that I've seen affiliated to, uh, yeah. to local clubs. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that's where it, 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 it differs because my research, again, um, as part of that, a lot of people have come back to me and said that. For example, one company I know, they sponsor a football club and they sponsor a cricket club. Now, they said if they had to choose between the two, they would straight away go for the cricket club. And when I kind of pushed them forward and probed into that, they came back and said it's, it's, it's almost that professional touch to it. And although it might not happen with every club, that, that, that there are certain clubs that, that, that come at it Without means to be distasteful, a more like as an although we are amateur clubs, they come at it from a from an amateur thing, and I do appreciate that a lot of time it's it's hard to run a club because I do it myself. But if you can make that time to just even the fine finer details, as you said, like an email address, that can in the long run make sure that you are more professional, and from that be able to be more successful financially. Cricket clubs that that although we're in terms of like difficulties again, they that they appear to be run at a lot more professional kind of basis to it. Now I don't know whether that's because there's fewer cricket clubs and therefore that means that people are interested. They then are more prone to want to do more compared to football, where you could have five teams within the space of five miles. Um, but it does go back to that element of right okay let's let's get something together that's professional that can ultimately be used for years to come Mm. Um, and I think my final recommendation would be if you could actually get somebody to physically be almost a commercial manager who does go and looks at these types of things and, and tries to do a proposal then that's taking the weight off the, the 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 team shoulders because often or not it's the coaches that have to find the the, the sponsorship agreements um, so if you can get somebody that can actually and I know it's hard to come by in, in, in these times if you can get somebody that's interested in in being able to find sponsorship and being able to find alternative funds for your club then try and use that to, to, to the best of your ability yeah so 
you know, if nothing else, if your if your club email is run off the secretary's account, big rich sixty nine xxx at hotmail dot com, you might want to just consider that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't fully agree with the recommendation. It'd be good to kind of get maybe some sort of timeline or some kind of phase of the recommendations. You know, like a summary, we can get that out there somehow. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, at, at this point. And you've got to get yourself off to a meeting. Yes. So we'll say goodbye to you, and uh, Matt and I will, busy, will close busy, this one off. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, yeah. we'll see you. Uh, see you later. See you later. Yeah, right. So, I mean, just closing up now, Matt. There was I wanted to ask you about the kind of closing stages of your PhD, but just going through my notes here, and one of the things that I noted down was the somebody mentioned before about being tax deductible. So, what what's the benefits of that when you're looking at? Um, trying to get an, a sponsor to come into your club. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of people don't don't realise that that from sponsoring, uh, a, well, any kind of grassroots team, is that for a company that is classed as a tax deductible kind of um, revenue and, and stream of money. Um, so therefore, it doesn't really kind of affect them in the in the long run. Although they might think that actually they're losing money in hindsight. There's an element to it where actually because it's tax deductible in the in the long run, they therefore um, are actually not only contributing to the community, but they're also at the same time um, making sure that, that that can be deducted from their from their overall like corporation tax and company tax. So I'm, I've got a very simple mind. So break that down in terms of numbers for example of how that might work okay so for example if it was a uh, shirt sponsorship let's say that was that, that there was 500 pound um that would then come off the company's tax at the end of it because it, be, it can be classed as a, a as an expenditure to, to towards something that's good in the community um so therefore that would then not be added to the the, the tax bill that they have to pay to uh, government i see so uh, fred's chippy might pay uh, our club five hundred pounds, but it will end up actually only costing them a, a certain yeah a certain percentage because of the tax. I see deduction to it. I see, and is is that something that um, is that? Do you think that's something that organisations are fully aware of when they are approached by clubs looking for sponsorship? I don't. I don't think so. Um, it's not something that a lot of people actually do or are aware of. Um, so it, it's definitely something that, 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 that should be brought up um, because at the end of the day it just adds to, 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 to another long list of, of benefits that, that actually um, are available to the, to the sponsor if they get involved in, in, in a grassroots football. Yeah, and especially I think you, you said before about the big fish, the big clubs and the cost of just getting involved in, a, in the likes of an Everton or a Liverpool at any sort of level nowadays must be absolutely huge. Yeah, I mean, if if you just look down the road, you've got you've got the likes of Liverpool who are sponsored by Standard Chartered, and they're they're getting well, they're getting Liverpool are getting income of fifty seven million every every year from that shared sponsorship agreement. Um, so for the for, for, for as you said, the, the likes of John's Chippy, there's no way in a with, with all due respect, there's there's no way that they'd be able to to afford that sum of money. And therefore, if they are interested in, in, in football sponsorship, it, it, it's, it's a considerable considerable um, reduction in, in, in expenditure that's going to, 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 to sponsorship. You look at, say, for example, a kit. The, 
that's £500 and then plus maybe if you say oh, another £100 for a rights association on top of that, it's £600. I'll compare that to the £57 million. There's a There's a massive disparity there. Um, that obviously kind of then makes it makes it um, a beneficial thing to get involved in because you just then couple that with all the benefits they, that they receive and instantly they then go, well actually I might want to sponsor that in comparison to another promotional activity that we do, whether that would be a billboard, let's say a roundabout advertising slot there. Because at the end of the day, usually with sponsorship, it's very much uh, less aggressive form of advertising um, and it's not in your face constantly whereas all the types of advertising can can be um, so it's just about coupling the, the the cost effectiveness of sponsorship with the other benefits that they can receive so for example another one could be employee motivation for a company if if a company um, for example sponsor employees of that company might go oh well it's really good that, that they're doing stuff for the local community and therefore that increases their motivation to want to do well for the company. So it's about getting those, for, from a sports club's perspective, it's about getting those ideas across to that company and almost just reeling that like toy soldier to then eventually just go like, yeah, that's what, that's what I want to do and get involved in and I'm happy to do so. Yeah, so it sounds like, oh, that, that sounds like it's been backed by research. Yes. That, so again, just thinking now, if I'm listening into this, and I'm on a club committee. Is there is there any sort of information or statistics that you could point us to of that we could use to to then you know if we're approaching a club to say look um, clubs that have, have got engaged with local local community clubs or sorry organisations that have gotten involved with local community clubs have benefited from X Y and Z and, and give them the numbers or the, the case studies. The the, the the there's plenty of research out there however it's probably not accessible um, purely through the fact that it's a, it's, a, it's a lot in academic journals yeah. um, now if you just for example typed in to um, Google search just like benefits of grassroots sponsorship there'll obviously be an exhaustive list that people can click on I think one of the very first ones actually actually does have a very kind of brief research that shows the benefits of sponsoring or clubs getting involved in grassroots sponsorship. Um, so it might be worth having a look at that. However, a lot of it is not accessible in the, in, yeah. in the kind of public domain. Yeah, it's behind the... Um, yeah, behind the, like... The paywalls. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, I'm interested to know what's coming between now and the end of your PhD and what are you, what are you trying to kind of uncover and get out there between now and then? Um, I think the first thing is, is is just going back to to what I've done so far. Is at the moment I've conducted um, eight interviews, four with a football club and four or four with uh, four different football clubs and four with um, the sponsors of those football clubs. Okay, just and quick, what are the size of those football clubs? Okay, so you they range from having two teams at the very least to having. Possibly, if you include a junior section as well, it could be up to twenty. So there's quite, although it's not at the very, very high end, um, there's still quite a lot of players within 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 the the four that I've done. Okay, and the size of the businesses. Okay, size of businesses now often they are small to medium enterprises. Um, so those are companies that have between one member of staff and 
usually if you go for the definitive term it's up to 250 however in my sample it's between 1 and 12 or 13 so those really are the kind of two kind of brackets that they, that they fit in between okay and if I can ask what, what sort of money are we talking about here what's the size of the sponsorship packages that are involved with those relationships so it entirely varies depending on what type of agreements that, that, that they undertake so for example for a kit sponsorship um, it could be um, with one club they've been able to get 3,000 from there per season per, per season, season yep. per season um, from, for from how many there. and how many teams is that? And that's got. Oh, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head now. That's got a adult. It's got an adult team, a reserve team, a youth team, and then subsidiary ones further down. So it's quite yeah. a it's quite a substantial yeah. um, amount of money. Um, so that goes up to that point, and then at the opposite end, we've had people or have gotten to touch with people who have spent £250, um, so you've gone from one kind of spectrum to the yeah. to, to, to the other. Um, but I think that's where now my kind of research is progressing more, is that, as I said before, I'm, I'm, I'm about to um, basically distribute a sur- survey um, to all sports clubs or grass- grassroots football clubs in the Northwest region to kind of obviously get that scope further out there and, and, and clarify the findings that I've got from from my interview stages so far. And then from that, the, the, the main aim is to then put both the interviews and survey data that I get back to then create an overall framework which can then be used from both the sports club's point of view and the sponsor to make sure that their, their relationships are as strong as they can be um, and can last for, for 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 as long as they can, basically, and then that's then gonna eventually kind of get refined again with the help from the people that have interviewed in the past to then refine that framework to make sure that it's it, it's a true reflection of the environment that's been formed over the past however many years. Yeah. So, um, you've been immersed in the grassroots yeah. scene for a long time now, and obviously doing your your research. What? Where do you see um, where do you see the future of grassroots clubs and the whole relationship with sponsors? What what, what do you envisage? I think the, I think what, what what I can see happening is that due to obviously the the economic climate that, that we're in already and Brexit going, going to come in, in in the near future, I can see that the funding streams are going to become less and less and less, and therefore clubs are going to have to find a way. Of being diverse in, in, in where they're gathering their revenue from, um, so it's not only just through sponsorships; um, it's through um, other means such as grants, um, alongside obviously the typical membership fees and general fundraising activities that you do, whether that be a spot the ball competition, like um, events at the end of the season, which mm-hmm. obviously then contribute towards next season's funds. Um, so I see that revenue diversification is going to have to be. Um, something that, that, that the clubs take into account more in the near future. Again, just something that, that came to mind a second ago. We've spent a significant amount of time talking about, for example, shirt sponsorships. Yeah. I wish I'd asked Anthony now before he left. You, you look, watch football 
uh, on the TV from the continent yeah. and I noticed it's come into the Premier League this season with the likes of sleeve sponsors yeah. short sponsors yeah. is that something in your experience that you know shirt sponsors are just limited to front and centre on the on the shirt or is there more opportunities to to get more organisations involved with you with your shirt and your club there is the possibility however I'd be cautious doing something like that purely through the fact that if you you have to make sure that both or however many companies that you're getting sponsored by are aware that that's a situation yeah. because if they think that they're going to be the only ones on the shirt and then all of a sudden there's another two or three companies on top then they're going to possibly be very disgruntled with 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 what with, with that situation so if you were going to do something like that it would have to be very clear and explicit that that is something that that, that you are thinking about and if they're happy with that then that's not a problem however in the grand scheme of things often or not companies are going to be quite greedy in, in, in that sense and they're going to want sole exclusivity of, 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 of a given thing or of a given um, type of sponsorship so sponsorship can be anything it's not your shirt it's, it's, it's your website page it's you could even have a social media sponsor you could have um, your shirt sponsor, a ground sponsor, if you've got your own pitch, build uh, like uh, perimeter advertising again, if you've got your own pitch, anything can basically be sponsored. There's not one sole thing that, that, that can't be, it's just a matter of finding a way and is it plausible to be able to, to actually get, that, get funds in, in return for that. Cool. Okay, that, that's, um, that's great, Matt. That sounds like, I mean, we've, we've covered many bases here but it, 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 sound, it feels to me like we're only just scratching the surface of the potential that might be out there in terms of revenue that a grassroots club could potentially uh, attract for themselves so if people out there listening in want to ask you questions get in touch uh, is it at Hindmarsh Matt? Yeah so you can you can contact me um, on Twitter which is Hindmarsh Matt um, either do it obviously like um, personal message me or, or, or do it over the platform itself um, that's not a problem alternatively um, you can get in touch with me on my uh, university email address which is m.r.hindmarsh at 2017.ljmu so that's for Liverpool John Moores University um, at ac.uk at ac.uk yeah, yeah. AC. great stuff that's brilliant Matt well thanks a lot for this and thanks for um, reaching out and you know offering your time and services to what I am convinced will have a, a real positive benefit on uh, on the clubs in the local and, and national area so I you know, really appreciate your time on this one thanks very much for having me thanks a lot cheers great stuff thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show please help spread the word or leave us a review on iTunes I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You can reach me on Twitter at JackWalton1. And don't forget to follow Liverpool FA at Liverpool underscore CFA. See you next time.